You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Reality at this point is setting that Knicks basketball is officially over for this season after the Knicks lost Game 6 to Miami on Friday. Media members were not invited to the team's exit meetings following that loss. So basically, whatever you heard in the press conferences that postgame is what you got going into the offseason. I guess maybe until they talk to, at the draft, maybe. I mean, they don't even seem to do that very often. So who knows next time you'll hear from Nick Sprass? Who knows next time you'll hear from Tom Thibodeau? But uh, nonetheless, the season is over, and we are now in the offseason for the New York Knicks. Talking about the season that just happened, you saw a 10-win increase from your Knickerbockers this year, uh, finishing 47-35, and 35, a first-round series win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Individually, Knicks saw some great successes from the likes of Jalen Brunson, their free agent signing, who excelled and turned into a star this season. Julius Randle earned his second All-NBA and All-Star selections this year. Emmanuel quickly finished in the second finished second in six man of the year voting so plenty to be proud of when it comes to next this next season when we look at the offseason uh there are plenty of guaranteed spots already on the roster so this is not necessarily a roster in flux per se um but this will still be a crucial offseason you got emmanuel quickly and obi Toppin who are extension eligible you got josh hart who can opt out of his deal to become a free agent the rumors have been that that is almost certainly to happen that he may then re-up with the Knicks shortly afterwards um and then when you talk about some of the guys that are on the team, but perhaps could be uh, shipped elsewhere uh, and have their services sent sent to other places, Derek Rose uh, right now has a $15 million uh, club option that can be declined by the Knicks this offseason and maybe likely to be declined because that number would get the Knicks under the luxury tax that they're currently in if they decide to decline Derek Rose's uh, $15.5 million uh, team option. Another player not expected to be back is Evan Fournier. He said after Friday's loss, quote, my season was over a long time ago. It took me a good month to understand that. Obviously, there's going to be some changes, and I'm going to get traded. Evan Fournier was very quick to point out that he uh, does not foresee himself returning to the Knicks this season. So long offseason ahead, Tommy. Before we get to that, when you look at what the Knicks did this year, can you deem this season a success for the New York Knicks? Yeah, no question, in my opinion. Um, I mean, just look at reality. First 13 years of this century – um, Knicks didn't win a playoff game, won one, won one playoff game, I should say, rather. Then we had the 2012-2013 uh, team that that went to the second round and lost to Indiana. Um, and then in the seven years since, Knicks won one playoff game uh, two years ago versus Atlanta. Um, you know, so for the Knicks to win six postseason games, um, uh, you know, basically be on the verge of, of, you know, potentially going to the Eastern Conference finals of bounce the ball this way, bounce the ball that way. Um, you know, obviously exceeding expectations by any metric in terms of wins and losses during the regular season. First round sweep of Cleveland, um, their best postseason showing um, more impressive than the or a gentleman sweep. Not not a it felt like a sweep in many ways. But right. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, a pounding, a gentleman's yes. sweep of Jazz. Um, you know, their most impressive postseason showing, um, more impressive than the Knicks' victory over the Celtics um, during the mellow 2012-2013. So the yeah. most impressive playoff series the Knicks have played, you know, since Patrick Ewing and, and Alan Houston and Latrell Sprewell um, were part of things. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I think uh, without question, and most importantly, they found out they have a cornerstone piece. Um, they found a point guard, which they haven't had forever. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it, this season qualifies as success. Yeah, I, I would definitely say it's a success. And for that reason, uh, I'm going to say we give the, the Knicks a little bit of a round of applause here. 
Um, I know there's been a lot of hard feelings given how this season has gone, or at least how the season ended. And I, I think that happens when you have high intense playoff games, you have a chance to go a certain level and um, perhaps you, you kind of lose sight of what was accomplished this season. I don't want to lose sight of that. I mean, this was a Knicks team that many people are projected to not even win more than 40 games this year. A lot of people saying they'd probably be lucky to be a ninth or a 10th seed in the Eastern conference, given how strong the East look coming into this season. A lot of the other, other teams making big moves, the Knicks to come into this year, you sign Brunson, um, you sign Harden, sign. You make some of those moves. You trade for hard during the during the during the midseason trade deadline. Yeah, you can't say enough about how how fun it was to follow this team. How you know it was stressful at times, especially early on. But how fun it became to follow this team, and how much growth you saw from so many of their players. And I think particularly you talk about Brunson, Emmanuel quickly, despite a poor regular season, a poor postseason, had an exceptional regular season. Julius Randle having the best regular season of his career. R.J. Barrett having the best postseason of his career, which I think is important to point out now when we talk about the totality of the season. So a lot of bright spots. I, you can't look at this and say this was a failure. You know, maybe a field to missed opportunity for sure. I think that that's maybe more fair when you think of, you know, you're playing eight seed the Heat and, and you know, you're one Jalen Press turnover away from getting the game seven in New York. Maybe you feel like it's a missed opportunity, but I think that the the the, the stars are aligning in a, in, a, in a good way for the Knicks moving forward. I think we're going to talk a lot about these potential players that may be coming in here in the next few years. Yeah, no question. Um, you, you, like you said, the frustration lies in the fact that the Knicks probably left a little meat on the bone. Um, it was a, a winnable series against yeah. Miami, um, obviously, as the eighth seed. Um, you know, they were, you know, after having, they, they knocked off for the box, you figured they did a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Um, and a path to the Eastern conference finals had opened up for you and, and possibly beyond, um, because, um, we saw the Sixers collapse and the Celtics, um, advance and obviously Tatum's awesome. They have a great deep team, but they've certainly looked beatable at times during this postseason. The Hawks, yeah. um, sweat a little bit. Um, so for that reason, there's certainly frustration, um, palpable frustration and understandable frustration frustration among the fan base given the way that the season played out it wasn't like jimmy butler went nuts and averaged 50 yeah. and, and and you know you know you didn't have a chance um it basically most of the games they lost three of the four games they lost against miami they had a good chance to win um you know randall uh, playing poorly not playing with effort um on several occasions for quarters and games at a time you know, leaves you with a sour taste in your mouth. RJ, despite his um, terrific all-around um, impressive postseason, uh, going one for 10 in, in a game six loss, and, you know, the Knicks yep. still being there down one possession, um, you know, final 30 seconds of the contest, um, leaves you a little bit frustrated. But again, benefit of time, a couple deep breaths, a few walks around the block, and you can, you know, look at the bigger picture, um, draft capital, young promising players uh, on the roster locked into team friendly rookie contracts brunson at point guard a lot of option a lot of roster flexibility some cap space they can play with um and we'll kind of get into all that um but yeah looking at the big picture and just over the last 12 months knicks are in a far better position than they were um you know uh, than they were at this time last year absolutely and let's talk about you know this time last year compared to where they come into this season so this time last year you're talking about having to unload half the roster, essentially. So many guys just being kind of unplayable for the Knicks moving forward. Kemba Walker, uh, Neuron's well. Uh, Alec Burst was unplayable, but he was a guy that had to get out of here. Knicks in a, in a different spot coming into this offseason. One, you have not nearly as many guys, you know, coming up on free agent deals, things like that. 
Um, and number two, you have a lot of good players, guys, that I think you want to kind of build around or perhaps turn into uh, maybe bigger players, bigger stars. So let's start with the Josh Hart situation. Any chance Josh Hart leaves in your eyes, you think that it's almost a lock that he stays with the Knicks. He cannot out of that $12 million he has left on his deal. The rumors and the word is that the expectations that he will sign a deal maybe around that ballpark, maybe a little north of that uh, three or four years with the Knicks. Do you expect to see that? Uh, I expect to, but that's a big difference between then. Then the question: Do I? Is there any chance that he leaves? Yeah, you know, anytime you're talking about free agency, um, yeah, just just for the 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 details here, uh, Josh Hart uh, has 12.9 million dollars um, uh, coming his way in 23-24. That's next season, so that's a player option, um, which means he has until next month to opt out of that contract. Um, and at that point, he becomes a restricted, for, uh, a unrestricted free agent. And anytime you talk about unrestricted free agency, um, all bets are off. Do I think yeah. he plans on returning to the Knicks? Yes. Do I think the Knicks plan on re-signing him and bringing him back into the fold? Yes, absolutely. Um, but we've seen a million times in a million different sports and a million different spots where the player and the team were aligned going into free agency. And then the player becomes a free agent and the agent gets a call and the and Team X is offering $18 million a year for four right. years. They're the final yeah. piece to make a championship run. And yeah, listen, uh, Brunson, I love you. Um, Tibbs, you're a good dude. Leon Rose, uh, you know, uh, I love you. But um, listen, I, I, I just had twins. You know, the guy's a father, and he's, he's yeah. got to do his best for him and his family. Um, do I think he'll give the Knicks an, an opportunity to match any contract he receives? Yes. Uh, do I think the Knicks would match any reasonable contract? Yes, but there is that outlier. There is the possibility um, that the contract exceeds. There was talk um, the end of last month that, um, you know, he'd be looking in the 18 to $20 million range, which seems like a very high number. Um, but giving as well as he played over that second half of the regular season, um, when he was arguably the most impactful, you know, trade addition for any team um, in the sport, um, those numbers didn't seem as crazy. The one silver lining, and we'll talk about this with Emmanuel quickly as well. It's something we've discussed on the pod for him struggling in that Miami series when his kind of yeah. liabilities are exposed. Um, maybe one of the reasons another team didn't want to trade a first round pick to Portland was because he was hesitant to shoot the three pointer during the first half of the season with the Blazers um, and didn't shoot at a particularly good clip. Um, came to the Knicks, was Steph Curry for two months, basically didn't miss oh, a three-pointer. Yeah. And then in the postseason, teams dared him to shoot. Um, and outside of those couple three-pointers in the corner um, in game two, uh, really struggled with his outside shot, um, which limited his effectiveness because, um, you know, he's great at creating, uh, you know, semi-fast break transition, finishing in the lane, etc. But when the teams really give you five to ten feet, um, you're not able to kind of take advantage of that runway. Um, you can kind of see why his game is somewhat limited due to his inconsistent three-point shooting. That's multiplied when you play with a kind of shoot-first point guard, a non-traditional point guard um, like Jalen Brunson, who really needs the, the center of the floor open to operate. Yeah. We saw when he was on the floor with Hart as opposed to with Grimes, um, the numbers are exponentially different in terms of his effective field goal percentage, shot attempts, shot attempts in the paint, Brunson I'm speaking of. Um, so ideally you want to have, you know, shooters and spacers on the floor with Brunson. Um, all that said, uh, Hart proved his value, um, probably best suited to be a six man. The question then becomes, um, and we'll talk about this for the next few weeks and few months, what's the right price? Is it, 
you know, again, he's he'll make at least $13 million in the offseason, so it makes no sense for him not to opt out of the contract. Um, you know, should he, um, again, worst-case scenario, he can re-sign for one year and $13 million and then, you know, so he doesn't lose anything. Teams are going to offer him at least you know, three, at least three years at, I would say at a minimum of, you know, 12, 13 million a year. So you're looking at 40 million guaranteed as opposed to 13. Question is, did the, did some other team get involved and force the Knicks to up the ante 15, 60 million dollars annually times three times four. That's when things get tricky, complicated and interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting because this is a weird off season where you don't have a bunch of teams with a ton of cat space. Right. I think going into this offseason, you know, really only the Rockets and Pacers have uh, and the Spurs have considerable cat space. A lot of teams can create cat space through pick, not picking up options and things of that nature. But um, you're not going to have a bunch of teams with, you know, $50 million laying around. So uh, if you have a team that's going to make, you know, one big signing or two big signings, you know, is Josh Hart going to be the guy and our teams going to be willing to outbid the Knicks to make sure they get Josh Hart? You know, you think that would take probably one of these teams that, are closer to competing for a championship right. to do that. And all those teams seem to be capped out. So I, I would be surprised. If right. Is, was, is, was gone. That, that's a good point because the teams that have the cap space to kind of outbid the Knicks, they are not one piece away. And Josh Park right. at age 28 is like a one piece away guy. Yeah. I mean, are the Rockets, you know, giving Josh Hart 20 million? Are the Magic giving, you know, I'm looking at teams with the highest projected practical cap space, the Spurs, you know, Jazz. I mean, these are teams that I just don't, I can't see. Them because I think the number is going to be something between 15 and 16 million dollars that I think he probably caps out at. at the right. most he would probably get. Do I think he's going to get um that for any of those teams? That would surprise me. So I, I think that he'll be here. Uh, I think he he knows that this is his best spot for him. Josh Hart in that series against the Miami Heat shot, I believe, 23% from the three point line, which uh was nothing like how he shot in the regular season for the Knicks. He shot um uh almost 50 or more than over 50%. From three, so I do think that that may hurt his value a little bit. You know, this idea that he's a floor spacer really kind of got exposed a little bit against Miami, so that'll bring his price down. I think when it comes to these guys with the extensions, Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, that becomes this very interesting conversation because for Emmanuel quickly, again, how much does the playoffs come into effect? I mean, he he was stellar for the entire regular season. Well, how much does that does that poor postseason come into effect? And what does Emmanuel quickly see himself as? Because if we're talking about Emmanuel quickly as a backup guard, to me, like the max value for that kind of player, you see, it's kind of the contract Derrick Rose is about to get bounced from. You know, the three years of 43 million. He's an older player, but even the deals that Clarkson has gotten, the deal Tyus Jones got, he's the highest paid backup point guard. He's making about 14 million a year. I mean, is Emmanuel quickly you would think he's going to maybe reset the market, but how much further is he going beyond maybe what Tyler, Tyler, Tyus Jones got from, from the Memphis Grizzlies? I think that that would be one of the interesting things to follow. Really good. I think that Tyus Jones comparison is really good. Um, you know, was, who's a player um, that may not have as, as high a ceiling as IQ, but his floor is really high, consistent, always near the top of the league in terms of yeah. uh, the turnover ratio. Um, but the thing that IQ has on his side is youth. Um you know, Jordan Poole signed right. a four-year, $128 million contract. Right. You know, um, you know, IQ could easily say, listen, I'm a better player. I'm a more valuable player than Jordan Poole. And he is, um, especially when you consider what he brings to both sides of the floor. But again, that's a, that's a, the outlier. Um, I'm sure the, the Warriors regret that decision. Yeah, I don't think anybody would sign Poole to that <laughs> this time around. 
Totally, totally agree. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, whereas Hart is like, I think we we're, we feel comfortable saying his floor is probably like 13, 14. His ceiling's probably like 16, 17, probably land somewhere in that. Um, I think IQ, you can, you know, you can go in the other direction. You know, I'm sure some GM thinks, listen, you know, undersized two guard, you know, point guard, you know, he did you know, we saw he's been inconsistent, you know, from time to time. Um, we saw if he doesn't, you know, if his shot isn't falling, he's a tough time contributing offensively. We saw it in the postseason. So maybe he's only worth 10 to 12 million a year. On the other side of the coin, um, you look at the bigger picture, you look at his full body of work, um, particularly the postseason. Uh, when when uh, IQ was the third best player on the Knicks night in, night out. Um, especially the regular season, yeah. The regular season, I'm sorry. Yeah. When you factor in um, his contributions, again, on both sides of the floor, highest uh, plus minus on the team uh, by significant yeah. margin. Knicks are a better team with Emmanuel quickly on the floor. I think they understand that they need to keep him. Um, I think, but I think he knows that they know that they really want to keep him. Um, so it'll be very interesting. And again, he's only extension eligible, which means the Knicks can also kick the can down the road. Um, That's true. The fear there is that he becomes a restricted free agent, and then you get into the DeAndre Ayton scenario, which, listen, IQ is not on near the level in, in terms of impact and, and desirability um, throughout the league that Ayton was, the, the former number one overall pick. Um, and even in that scenario, the Knicks have the right to match any offer, so they still wouldn't lose him. So they're he's two years away from being an unrestricted free agent. That being said, um, there is a, a – a, it certainly could be argued that they're – they, it's it is beneficial for both the player and the team to avoid distractions and have the player locked in and possibly lock him in a discount. My opinion, um, it would make a lot of sense for the Knicks to try to lock him up now, especially if they can get him at a little bit of a discount coming off that poor postseason. Um, but those are the, the things that Leon Rose is going to have to weigh. I think it all comes down to what IQ is willing to settle for, because I think the Knicks will go yeah. – um, up to 15 plus a year, but if he's looking, no, I want uh, 80 million over four years. I want 90 million over four years. That's when, when uh, you know, Rose and company might say, listen, that's a little bit too too rich for us. Come back another season. We love you, um, but then we'll, we'll reassess next summer. Yeah. The quickly thing, I think maybe it's just, you know, maybe I'm, I'm just being kind of like a, an alarmist or, or not. Maybe I'm being, you know, too defeatist in terms of how this is going to work out. But this is a part of me that kind of wonders if this thing may be a lot more of a contentious negotiation than I think a lot of folks realize. Because he kind of reminds me a little bit in like the Terry Rozier kind of lane where Rozier was before he signed the deal with Charlotte, where he was kind of stuck as a backup who could clearly start. And when he started, he played really well. And like those guys... They like we we saw with Jalen Brunson, and I mean, like if you have a, a point guard like that can take you a long way. And if you got a guy who right now is is locked into a backup role, I mean, he he's yeah. never going to be a starter with the Knicks as long as Jalen Brunson's here. If Emmanuel quickly sees himself as a starter in the NBA, you know what is his incentive to sign an extension other than security? Obviously, what is his incentive to sign an extension for backup money? We can say, well, let me just play this season out. And then see what I get on the restricted free agent market. Maybe one of these teams that is desperate for a point guard decide, hey, we're gonna just just like this Charlotte Hornets was, we're gonna throw as much money as we can at somebody. Like I don't know. I think I don't know if you remember Terry Rose actually talked about that offseason. He thought he was going to the Knicks. And and it was Charlotte, like similar to the Josh Hart situation you were kind of alluding to that could happen. Charlotte came out of nowhere and said, Hey, here's this big bag of money, dude. To be a starting point guard. He's all right, I guess I'm going to Charlotte. So I I I that is a scenario quickly that I think will be interesting. 
we know a lot about how much he values playing in New York, playing at the Garden, playing for the Knicks. I think it matters to him, but I also th- thinking of quickly like he's one of the few Nick players that have actually had a lot of profiles written about them over the last few years. You know, Knicks have that kind of tough media, uh, you know, policy. He's a very driven guy. I mean, he has he writes down his goals. He he has big visions for himself. He's obviously a workout warrior by all accounts. He's a guy who's a gym rat. I, I'm not as certain that he'll be willing to just say, "I'll take." you know, solid backup money, even if it does reset the market to be a Nick, if I can maybe become a starter somewhere else. I think that's going to be a, a very interesting thing to follow for the next summer and maybe even two summers. I mean, you, you make a good point there. <laughs> he doesn't have to look very far. The guy right in front of him was a backup for however long. Exactly. And got offered the four year, 55 million and said, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice and, you know, and then Brunt and then Doncic got hurt. So he, you know, he started 25 plus 30 games. Once he got into the starting lineup of the Mavericks never came out and tripled his, you know, doubled his value went from 55 million to a hundred plus million from the Knicks. And now after starting for a year could, you know, could get max money for, from a team yeah. if you were to hit the free agent market. So um, there's, there's a, you're right. It, it, a lot of very interesting will depend on, um, on, on what he feels, on what his team feels, he, what he values security. Maybe they do a shorter extension. Maybe instead of the four right. years he could sign, he signs for two, locks him up, you know, and then, you know, tacked on to the final three years. So he becomes a free agent, you know, after that eight yeah. years of experience. And, you know, then he can sign a bigger contract. Um, or maybe the Knicks are willing to say, listen, we value him. I understand that it's starter money, but the cap's rising. Um, you know, we think, you know, it's, you know, he's worth 18 to, tw- you know, he's worth $20 million a year. So, yeah. Um, and uh, there could, and there's, a, and there's an argument to be made there you know, in terms of this team and this value. Um, you don't want to run Brunson to the ground. I'm sure Leon Rose is going to talk to Tibbs about reducing his minutes. Um, you know, next season we'll see if Tibbs listens. Um, but I'm sure that'll be a focal point having a guy like uh, IQ that can start at the point guard, that can come off the bench, that can start at the two guard, um, that can play in three guard rotations is incredibly valuable. And the Knicks say, hey, um, you know, we 90 for four, we're putting it on the table. You know, if you think you're worth yeah. 120 million, that we can't do, but we're, we want to show you we're, we're committed to keeping you here. Um, and maybe the next trade for another big star and they have to lock in that money, um, you know, if, you know, to, to keep them around. So there's, there's a lot of different ways you can go. Um, you're right. But I think that's kind of the most interesting scenario to play itself out because um, they're different. It's, it, it will see which side incentivizes security versus risk yeah. and, and all that other cool stuff. Yeah. If you're saying that IQ is the third best player in the scene, well, the guy who's the high, third highest paid player, RJ Barrett, yep. he's making, you know, 23 next year, 25, 27, 29 million. I mean, I, I know I don't want to be, I'm not trying to run quickly out of town for sure, but I'm just yeah. being realistic about what may come with this uh, negotiation. And lastly, quickly, just on uh, Fournier and Rose. I mean, there's no chance those guys, I guess, are back in your eyes. Uh, Rose, they will not renew, um, uh, obviously not worth uh, 15 plus million dollars a year. That's a team option. So they will decline that team option. I, yeah. uh, I could see Rose coming back uh, in the Udonis Haslam role if he, if he so chooses. Um, obviously him and Tibbs are close. Um, he's developed a relationship um, with the front office and the players and the team. So would he want to come back and, um, you know, just kind of be like a mentor, all that other stuff. Um, Rose is an amazing, his story, if you ever hear him talk and kind of discuss what he's come from, you know, you know, yeah. sleeping in a room with, you know, uh, eight, eight, you know, in a one bedroom apartment with eight brothers and sisters. And, um, you know, a lot of his family's been in jail in and out of the prison system. And um, to, so to see where he comes, he's an inspiring player in person. Um, Fournier, I, I, I am not, 
I understand he wants to get traded. The Knicks want to trade him. The Knicks want to do right by him, et cetera. That doesn't mean that he will be traded this offseason. Um, right. I could see a scenario in which um, they can't move him or then they're unwilling to attach draft capital to move him. So they keep him on the roster, whether he shows up and doesn't come to training camp. Yeah. You know, that, yeah, he that might be, be a Jay Crowder situation. That that could definitely be a scenario um, where he's just not with the team, but still on the roster. And then they try to package that salary in a deal at the trade deadline and or waive him after the deadline. And he's free to sign with whoever he wants. Um, but just because um, he doesn't have a place on the roster. And, you know, again, from the Knicks standpoint, they have invested this much money. Um, they want to do right by the player. But they also listen if R.J. sprains his ankle and, and Grimes right. is hurt. You know, they need somebody, you know, and he's, and he, and he's one of the only players in franchise history to make more than 203 pointers in a season. The guy can obviously yeah. still shoot. Um, so there is some value there. Um, you know, it's not like they could, you know, it's not like uh, the NFL where they could wave them and only 3% of his cap, you know, cap hit. Um, so they're not just going to wave them and, and eat that salary. Um, so for yeah. that, for, for those reasons, I wouldn't be shocked if I, if I saw him return, I think it's obviously unlikely, but you know, it can happen. Yeah. I, th- I thought that I didn't really love, I know some people kind of were giving him a I didn't really love these comments, to be honest. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter. He doesn't want to be here, but like, I mean, the team just lost and he's talking about himself. Like, I don't know. I just, I didn't need, I didn't need, I thought he should have just said nothing. Maybe talk maybe a, a day later or two days later, or he could have did an interview with somebody. It seemed very calculated that he wanted to get out there that, hey, I'm going to be traded and kind of force the Knicks hand in a way to maybe say, hey, if it's hard to trade me, you're going to have to get rid of me because I'm already telling the media that I'm not going to be here. I'll give him a pass because he was quiet during the season. Did He could have made sure. He's a guy making eighteen million dollars a year. He obviously sees himself as a starting shooting guard in the That's NBA. True. He's one of the best players in Europe. Um, you know, I'm sure he's thinking, "Listen, let me go. I can start for Real Madrid." Or you know, he's, he's he was excellent, yeah. in leading them to gold medals. Like he's he's an incredibly respected international player. He doesn't want to be sitting behind Miles McBride and guys that he feels he's better than. Um, yeah. No, I don't disagree with the decision to sit him. Um, but yeah. he's a prideful player. Um, and so I, 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 I appreciate, I, I think he gets credit for, for being quiet as long as he did. I think he was waiting to say, listen, I'm, I'm, I don't view, they may see me as a bum. I'm not a bum. <laughs> that is fair. I think that is fair. Cause yes, he could have caused problems during the season and he did not. I just thought, I, I thought, well, whether I like it or not, I do think it was confident. I think his agent said, Hey, get out there. Tell them you're not going to be back. So yeah. We can kind of get the ball rolling get because I, I thought that that was really kind of it was kind of jarring to come out of that game, and that was kind of the biggest thing that came out of the game. Every four days says that he's not going to be back. So.